A New York City man was fined and sentenced to probation when he was caught at the border with pythons in his pants. Did you see that? Burmese, three Burmese pythons in his pants. See, this is normally something you hear like Florida man. I'm surprised to see you from <laughs> <Exactly>. New York. <laughs> Me too. That's the biggest upset of this whole story. Mike DeFabo is in, and he stayed uh, past the 1 o'clock hour. Of course, we blew past the 1 o'clock hour last hour. We have, do we have Alex Stump coming on at some point? Yeah, he's ready whenever. He's on the line? No, he's not on the line, oh. but he's good to go. Just tell him 140. You want me to tell him two? <laughs> that might be a little late. Yeah, 140 would be great. I want to get some news from spring training. Uh, fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Have you seen the Netflix special on, ma- on the making of We Are the World, Mike? Oh, I have like about 15 minutes left of it, but it's incredible. So do we. Yeah. It's it unbelievable. It, the thing that the, the logistics of getting all those people in one place in one day, that was the fascinating part. Yeah, definitely. And just, I feel like Michael Jackson brought it all together because it was interesting. Like they talked about once you got a couple big names and everyone was like, oh, this is going to be huge. I want to be a part of it. But no, nah, it's really a cool documentary. I've got the song stuck in my head. I've been like, so do I. Yeah, yeah me too. And it reminds me of Ron for some reason. But then everything does these days. Michael Jackson, Bruce Springsteen, Kenny Rogers, Cindy Lauper, Bob Dylan, Tina Turner. It was ridiculous. And they, and they talked about the way that they paired people together. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, you're two country music artists. We'll put you together. It was yeah. based on their vocal ranges. So there were some really odd combinations as well. And then Dylan couldn't sing. He can't. He can't really sing. I mean, have you ever so, heard any of his music? I love Bob Dylan. Me but, too. But he doesn't really horrible, sing. Horrible voice. Yeah. <laughs> so, God awful. Incredible performer. But So they showed the whole group singing, and he's in the middle just standing there. And they said that. They said, like, he knows he can't sing like Stevie Wonder, so he's not even mouthing the words. He just stood there. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. The whole thing was great. And it reminded me of sports in a way because – and, and it reminded me of things like the Dream Team. Like they said, when you got all these stars in the same room, their egos are so big, but they also have so much respect for everybody else there that you have to decide, you know, who's going to take the last shot here? Who's right. going to get the ball? If you've seen the Dream Team stuff, in their case, it was who's going to sing the solos? What, what do I do here? Do I, am, I, am I louder than anybody? The Dream Team, when they got together, couldn't decide who was going to get the ball. You know, Michael, Magic. Larry, Carl Malone, people at Barkley, who, who's going to take the shot here? Mm-hmm. And they were all very deferential. So it takes a while in situations like well, that. Well, that's what's part of the problem with the Penguins power play, I think. Is Great like point. Eric Carlson comes in, and he's on this team with a couple Hall of Famers. And rather than running the show and being assertive about it, right. he's kind of like, here, Sid, or here, Gino. Right. And I think that the power play would be a lot better if he really did be like, okay, it's my power play. I'm you got me because I'm elite supposedly at setting people up and and running the show. I think that's one of the things they need to do to fix it. That's a great point, and it's exactly the same type of dynamic. And I also wonder about the dynamic with him and Latang, like having two alpha dog defensemen yeah. on the same team. I'm not talking personality or the, uh, whether they get along. I'm sure they do. It's just. Somebody has to take control, and especially when it comes to that power play, I would love to see 
Carlson just come back in the second half, the de facto second half of this season, whether it's even strength of the power play, and say, I'm going to be me, and this is my power play, and here we go. I mean, he's he's making $10 million. It's 12% of the entire payroll right now. You know, he's making more money than Sid, more money than all of them, Latang, Gino. Yeah. You paid him to be that guy, to be the point-scoring defenseman. Because, right. And I, I didn't hate the trade when it happened because – at this stage in their careers, you can't count on Sid and Gino carrying the team. I love need, the trade. You yeah. need scoring and point production from elsewhere, but oh, he just threw me a football. Yeah, go you ahead. caught it though, right? You're in the middle. Out. You're in the middle of something. Go ahead. This ended badly when I broke Bob's phone. Did you hear that story? Uh oh. It's not worth telling. Go ahead. But but yeah, like I I like the idea because everyone will always be like, oh well, we, well you could beef up the bottom six. But everybody's trying to do that. Like so, you know, I like the move of of trying to get some production from your blue line, but I don't like the results of what's happened. I think that's one of the biggest reasons they are where they are right Sometimes now. I wonder what the Penguins would be like if they just opened up the spigots and be who they are. I mean, it's it's wonderful that they're six in the league in goals against. Who right. cares? Who cares? They stunk at goal scoring last year. They were like fourteenth. They're not even in the top ten this year with all that talent. Their power play sucked last year, and somehow it's even worse this year. I would love to see them just say, screw it. Let's go out and play fire wagon hockey. Would it be worse? Would it, would it be worse than winning 23 or your first 55 games or whatever it was or is? It couldn't be worse. Just be who you are. Let's do that for a while. I think that would be fun. It'd be entertaining if nothing else. Exactly. The, the question is, can they still do it with these guys at this stage in their career? Sid, I think, but can the other ones? I forgot what I was going to ask you next, Mike. Let's go back to football in that okay, case. Let's do it. Um, you were in the middle of a really good quarterback soliloquy. I think we had already crossed Russell Wilson. Yeah. Who's your favorite? Yeah. You well, it's not my favorite. That would I, be... I would rather have Justin Fields, but but he's oh, my favorite to Rudolph or okay. cousins or people oh, like that. Okay, so Justin Fields. Here's the reason I'm skeptical. If the Chicago Bears gave up two first-round picks and two mid-round picks, four total picks to move up to number 11 and get him just three years ago, and now they're making him available, they don't believe he's their guy, what makes you think he can go to a new city and all of a sudden produce, all of a sudden be an upper echelon guy? Well, he was ninth in the MVP voting two years ago. And I thought toward the end of that season, he was positively electric. And like I said, the fact that, that it didn't work in Chicago and they and they want to get rid of him, if they do want to get rid of him, I saw the team president yesterday actually endorsed him. I don't know whether that's real or the kiss of death for him right. in Chicago. But to me, if the Bears don't like him, that might be the best endorsement that he's actually good. Plus, for the most part, their team stunk. So he's a risk. Yes. He is definitely so, a risk, but he's got that – the ceiling – the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan said, where I feel like with Pickett, the ceiling is the floor. Right. I mean, Pickett, the whole thing was supposed to be he was the most NFL ready, and he didn't have a big way to, to develop, and he didn't yeah. have a high ceiling. So Fields would be the opposite. He, here's the reasons I like Fields. You know, the Steelers plan to obviously implement a run-heavy scheme. The mere threat of Justin Fields pulling the football and running it is going to open things up for both the running backs. Yes. So even yes. when he doesn't, yes. whenever he's not even the one running the football, 
Justin Fields would improve the running game, and so he would fit what you're going to do. He also did not have receivers like what the Steelers have, and he has a, a really big arm, and he could hit the deep ball and showcase you know, the underutilized George Pickens, I think. And, and the other part is, like, whoever the quarterback is next year, the Steelers aren't going to live and die with that guy. They're going to support him with a defense. And, like, they're going to still be a team that believes they can win these tight, low-scoring games. So he wouldn't necessarily need to come in and be the finished product right away. You'd be counting on it being another step in his development in year four. So I think I think the answer, as with a lot of trades, is at what price? Yeah. I think if you a get— A two and a four. I would do that if it was that. Would you? If it's a second this year and a fourth next year, I think I would entertain that. I really would. I mean, all Tomlin has talked about is having that element in a quarterback. Guess what, Mike? You know what? Another guy I like, Jacoby Brissett as a back. Listen, I think it's one of two things. Someone who's a, who is more of a caretaker for Kenny Pickett that's not a threat to him and then actual legitimate competition. I think you, you got to have legitimate competition. I think so. But I don't think Ryan Tannehill would be that. That's more the caretaker mentor type. If I'm going in, if if I if the if I know the Steelers are going that route, then I like Jacoby Brissett. I really like him. You might get both. You might get Tannehill and Brissett. <laughs> that would be something, or Tannehill and Josh. Now, Dons. probably. So the the one path would be Kenny, Ryan Tannehill. Then you draft a quarterback in like the second or third round. Yeah, I think that they're going to come away from the draft with at least one quarterback via drafting and or trading for Justin Fields. He won't have as many Super Bowl rings as Chris Oladuckin or Dukin. Willie, he's got two, doesn't he, with the Chiefs? Wow. Yep. Isn't that something? Guess what, Mike? Hmm. Alex Stump is on the line from MLB.com. You ready to talk a little baseball? Let's do it. Alex, this is a treat to have you on the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. Live from Bradenton, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely, man. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. What is going on here with Henry Davis? It seems one of the early stories in spring training, Alex, and I, I'd love to hear your take on this, is that the, the Pirates are so bent on having Davis become a legit catcher that they'd be willing to send him to AAA if he's not going to be at the guy, the guy in the majors. Does that make sense? I, I would take a deep breath first with that I mean to start off they do view him as a catcher long term they very much believe but he's got to earn a spot right now and I think that's something even he would admit right now he's got to earn his opportunity could he wind up in AAA I mean theoretically but I fully expect that he's going to be part of this major league roster breaking camp the only way that would convince it is if we start watching games and a whole bunch of balls you know he has to catch them up after they stop rolling or they hit the backstop like if he does his job, I think he's going to have plenty of opportunity. Well, it seemed like Shelty yesterday said Grandal is going to, he's definitely going to catch, and then we have a competition. I don't know. It just seems weird that here's the number one overall pick, and he's stuck in a competition with uh, the human rain delay and Ali Sanchez. And it's just, if he has the bat, why do we care so much if he can catch? I mean, the. This team really values defensive catchers, though. And the only – I don't think – I know 
we've reacted a little bit with uh, is Grandal the starter? That's not been explicitly said. It's just Grandal is going to be one or two guys, which he's on a major league contract. He's a veteran. That shouldn't come as any surprise. I still expect, you know, Davis to have every opportunity to prove that he's the starting catcher of this team going forward. So I, I get why there might be a little bit of concern or why a couple eyebrows are raised, whatever it's, hey, this guy's got to earn his keep, but he's also a young guy still, too. He's got to earn his spot in the majors. Alex, I'm going to ask you um, a different type of question here. I'm a very pessimistic Pirates fan, if you want to call it that. If there are people like me who are used to 100-game losing seasons, what is the biggest reason for optimism on this team, or what has you convinced that it's not going to be just another Pirate season? Well, I think they took a big step forward last year, and I, there's some questions still in the rotation, but I would say overall this roster is stronger than it was a year ago. And I think that's what you really got to hang your hat on. This team has always been very vocal that if they're going to get better, it's going to be because they have these young players that they're able to develop. Well, they're up here now. How much did they grow over the course of a year? I think we saw some good signs those last two months of last year, and if they could continue to build on that, then, yeah, there should be some level of optimism for this year. Alex Stump, MLB.com, on the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. Did you have another question, Mike? Well, so you're talking about the roster improving. Is there a specific area that you feel like they've made the most progress? I mean, I would say the bullpen is – a Real strength right now. I mean, Bennar, Chapman, Pajinski, Holderman, that's a pretty lethal back half right there. But I look at, you know, a lot of this lineup even. Like, Sawinski was someone who was a little bit of a question mark last year. He had a good year last year. He took a, Hayes took a big step forward, you know, both offensively and he finally got his gold glove last year. There are, and plus, you get O'Neill Cruz back. That's going to be a huge mm-hmm. boost. For this team he adds a lot in terms of power speed electricity there are some ways that this team i see a path that this team can be competitive going forward but they are going to be uh, those young players to continue to get better and they're very vocal about that too they can't shy away from it alex obviously the davis story the skiing story all this stuff to me the biggest story by far by far at spring training is will o'neill cruz be able to do everything physically that he could do before this gruesome injury. What have you observed so far? Are you convinced that he'll be able to run as fast, be as be as mobile at short, do everything, you know, superhuman that he could do before, be the exact same guy physically? I mean, just eyeballing three days, I mean, no one's going to be going at full speed at this moment, but he looks good right now. And Everything that the Pirates have been saying this winter, they are very confident that he can still be that guy, that he can still play shortstop at the major league level. And I I agree with you. They do need him to be that type of guy because this pathway of this team becoming a competitive ball club with O'Neill Cruz being only 80% of what he could be, that becomes a whole lot harder. This guy is very important for this team, not just for 2024, but the next five years. Like he's, he might be the star, the, what, uh, the straw that stirs the drink had to get the Reggie Jackson <laughs> in there a little bit. Last question, and I've had a number of people ask me about this. For the Pirates to have an opportunity to get a legit, I think, ace, this guy won the, the Cy Young in 2020 and apparently has gone over to Japan and has increased his velocity, and he's still only, what, 33 or so? Trevor Bauer. 
they have shown already that they have little reluctance to sign guys who have domestic violence issues in their past. G1 Bay was suspended for that once by Major League Baseball. Aroldis Chapman was suspended once for that major by Major League Baseball. So why not Trevor Bauer? He's willing to work. The Pirates would never, ever, in, under normal circumstances, have an opportunity to get a guy like this. Why wouldn't they have interest in having a guy who could legitimately be their best starter? I mean, just to address that first right now, I think we're over- underestimating how much a uh, two-year gap between playing games really can be. I mean, I know it's apples and oranges, but if you look at Deshaun Watson with the Browns, he has not been the same guy that he was with the Texans before he took those two years off. But just to, for the sake of argument, hearing, you know, if he could be this guy, there's on-field performance, and then there's what you could be in the clubhouse, what it does. I don't think it's simple as it would just be bad PR. I don't think he would be a, a good fit in this clubhouse, and the Pirates seem to feel the same way. And it's, It goes beyond just the legal matters also, and it goes – this has been a case for a while with this guy. And whenever you address, uh, you know, potentially bring it in someone you got to look at what they could do on the field what they would be off the field and it seems like the latter is kind of a deal breaker for the pirates and the most of the league alex we appreciate the time man thanks for coming on i know you're busy down there thank you appreciate it thank you social media's biggest loser Mulsey, is brought to you by awaken 180 weight loss reserve your consultation today at awaken 180 weightloss.com uh fan text line and this is important because we're going to be ending with text in the city today. Our special guest is Mike DeFabo from The Athletic. That's brought to you by Edgar Steiner & Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Send your text to our friend Fort Myers. Put your name on it and have a hot take or, you know, a, a, an interesting, uh, poignant take, uh, something good. Just give us something good. And myself, Fort, and Mike will judge these on a scale of 1 to 10. Is that clear for both of you We're guys? We're judging the takes. Yeah. Crystal clear. Yeah. Okay. I like yeah. this. What about that Trevor Bauer thing? I mean, listen, the allegations were really, really ugly. And I'm not sure I'd want a team with anybody with those kinds of allegations even in their past, if there was any credibility to them whatsoever. But the Pirates are already proving that that's not an issue for them. So Bauer, to me you would never have another avenue to get a pitcher like this because you don't spend that kind of money. He's willing to work for the major league minimum with incentives. Right. I'm, you know, this is a touchy subject and I want to be clear that like you should believe women when they make these allegations, but Bauer made a four minute video and in that exposed a lot of things that make you question the validity of this. And the, the most damning thing was, the the woman who made the accusation texted her friend beforehand and said, like, next victim, this guy, and making it seem as if she was mm. that was her hope. Now, I, I you know, I don't know the nuances of this situation. Again, and maybe the pirates were thinking, we don't want to get involved in that. But but I think that that's what you have to look at is like you have to look deeper at that in his in his video that he released, he was really rather persuasive with some of the evidence he was presenting. Yeah, I mean, in the end, with that particular case, no charges were filed, and and they came to a settlement, but no money was exchanged in the settlement, which, you know, always makes you wonder, okay, you know, uh, they got money out of it. 
and, and you think one way or another on that. But there's also a couple of other open allegations still, and I wonder if the Pirates are scared off by those or, as Jason Mackey alluded to, and you just heard Alex say, they don't think he's a good guy and don't want him in their clubhouse just aside from that. I don't know, man, but if you've already shown that that stuff doesn't prevent you from signing people, then why not? Yeah, well, I would see, say. see, I, I, based on the evidence that Trevor Bauer presented, I tend to uh, believe that maybe his narrative is correct. But I'll tell you this: when they signed Aroldis Chapman, my initial reaction was, "You can lose a hundred games with guys that aren't domestic abusers, or you can lose a hundred games with guys like I'd rather them not have Aroldis Chapman and still be the crappy, crummy Pirates." Then I hear you on that. Employ, yeah, I hear you. Employ this guy. Like if you're going to be a horrible franchise and a laughing stock, do it without employing horrible people along the way. G1 Bay got suspended 30 games for an incident, convicted, I think, in a South Korean court. So I definitely hear what you're saying. I do. The Pirates apparently don't have uh, you know, a policy where anybody with that in their past is going to, they're not going to sign such people. So it, it at least makes me wonder about Bauer. All right, Mike, are you ready for text in the city? I'm ready. This is very exciting for everyone. So I rate this on a scale of one to four. Flame one to em- ten. Flame yeah. One to ten flame emojis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're going to do that next here. Coming up on the 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township. Celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Text in the city next. <laughs> 